You know how important it is to ensure that your supplements are genuine, safe, and effective. That's why I partnered with Fullscript, an online dispensing platform that only offers curated professional-grade brands that I know and trust. The very same supplements that I prescribe to my patients and take myself. Never counterfeit or expired, always stored and shipped correctly. Just go to DearHoffmanStore.com to start your free Fullscript account. Buying through Fullscript offers fast shipping, optional refill reminders, a mobile-friendly site. It's safe, secure, and HIPAA-compliant and offers world-class support. Fullscript also gives you access to my custom-targeted supplement protocols that combine the products that I recommend to address specific needs, heart health, immune support, and much more. Just go to DearHoffmanStore.com to sign up for your free Fullscript account. You'll get access to the supplements and features you need to help you achieve your wellness goals. That's DearHoffmanStore.com. DearHoffmanStore.com. Welcome back to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. It's our weekly Q&A with Layla, and we're going to continue with questions. Uh, what you got on tap? Oh, we've got from Colleen. Hello, Dr. Hoffman and Layla. I'm a 50-year-old female with type 1 diabetes for 39 years. Okay. Yeah. Doing pretty good then. Yeah. For many years, my lab work has shown that I have chronic neutropenia. Mm-hmm. My latest lab work showed my white blood cell count was a 2.8. Mm-hmm. Two years ago, I went to an oncologist slash hematologist as well as a rheumatologist and was tested for various illnesses, right. including cancer, leukemia, lupus, Crohn's, and celiac. Fortunately, the results didn't show that I had any of those illnesses. Yay, Colleen. I've been thin all my life, currently 116 pounds, I've been on an insulin pump for over 20 years. I walk every day and limit my carbohydrates. Do you have any suggestions on how I can raise my white blood cell count? Thank you both for what you do. Hmm. Wow. So what are the many reasons that a white blood cell count would be low? Well, in uh, people who've had chemotherapy, mm. people have viral infections, will, yeah. instead, as opposed to a bacterial infection, Bacterial infections may uh, cause your neutrophils to go up, but mm-hmm. in viral infections, uh, there's... Causes it to go down. Causes it to go down. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's tough because you're generally things that... First, of all, let me just say that yeah. um, there are some people who just have lower neutrophils, uh, mm-hmm. and they're fine because qualitatively, yeah. they're doing the job. So one would have to ask, are you getting sick all the time? Do you yeah. have poor wound healing? It um, could be that the her white blood cells are enough for Colleen, mm-hmm. for her biochemistry. She is just fine with this white blood cell count. Yes. Because a lot of these lab values are 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 ranged according to you know, the there's like a there's like the a bell, there's like a bell curve. It's a bell curve. And right. she's low on the end of the bell curve, and yeah. most of the people are in the middle at the high part of the bell. Yeah. Uh, but some people are outliers and they're yeah. okay. And it just may mean that she's special. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or that that's enough white blood cell count she's for her. She's special. She's special. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, among the things we talk about for enhancing immunity, obviously, there are nutrients, you know, vitamin C and uh, things vitamin like the D. mushroom extracts of various oh, kinds. Yeah. But I don't know if they specifically target neutrophils. They may help like natural killer cells, which are a form of lymphocytes. Yeah. 
these are the therapies that we give to people after chemo, for example, to yeah. restore immunity. Um, and uh, how about astragalus? Astragalus is among them yeah. things. Uh, What's that? Uh, various mushrooms, uh, uh, AHCC, cordyceps, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Coriolis recently yeah. uh, scored high in enhancing immunity. Reishi. But but I have it. You know, I I just for the heck of it, I pulled up an article in uh, Nature, which is the world's most prominent scientific journal. Yeah. Uh, and they have a they have a section of Nature for immunology. It's a very interesting article here. Vitamin B three, a neutrophil supplement. Niacin, B3. He, niacin or nic, nicotinamide. Yeah. Uh, because we don't want not the flushing with niacin. But it's interesting. They, they say it has something to do with uh, NAD. So it would suggest that you could take uh, nicotinamide or alternatively nicotinamide riboside uh, as a way of enhancing. Because uh, So they, their conclusion, this is a 2009 article and I haven't seen much since. So, although it has not yet been tested in individuals with congenital neutropenia, by the way, it's a congenital neutropenia. It's, you, you've just, that's just the it. way you are. That's just the way you uh, are. Yeah. Vitamin B3 could prove to be an inexpensive and safe treatment option for this disease. So, because it has something, the myeloid differentiation um, to make neutrophils has something to do with an NAD sirtuin-1 dependent pathway. So, how do you enhance that? Vitamin B3. Or especially nicotinamide riboside, which is really good at doing that. So I might, you know, say try that, mm -hmm. and you know, if it goes up a little bit, fine. If it just keeps going down, 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 you've got a problem. Mm. Um, but you know, it's also we don't know anything about this person, what the, this person's race is, because mm -hmm. there is such a thing as racial neutropenia. True. Generally, yeah. uh, African Americans have lower neutrophil counts, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. That's just the way they are. Um, you know, so, but there is congenital neutrophilia. She also has an autoimmune disease, so I wonder if there's not an association yes. with the diabetes. Right. Um, and she was diagnosed with that at 11 years of age. Right. So, so you know, sometimes yeah. those people also concurrently have uh, celiac disease, so we got to make sure she doesn't have celiac. She doesn't have celiac. She doesn't have Crohn's. Okay. No cancer, no leukemia, no okay. lupus, okay. all of that. But, you know, the gold standard for celiac is that small intestine biopsy. Mm-hmm. More than anything, instead of just the uh, the blood panel. Although, a lot of integrative physicians would rely on anti-transglutaminase antibodies, anti-endomesial antibodies, and kind of go with that. Right. If those as are positive. An, as an, positive. An, a less invasive way of diagnosing. Yes, yes, uh -huh. yes, yes, yes. And it's also mm -hmm. possible that by the time you actually have the physical evidence of celiac, that you've had it for a while. So the biopsy is the so-called gold standard, but it may be um, using that as the way to determine whether one has mm -hmm. celiac disease maybe too little too late. You can see traces of it earlier on. Mm. Um, okay. Something that I want to interject here, this thing article came down the pike. Um, does zinc really help treat colds? Ah. You know, there's a lot of... Uh, there was that thing with this, you stuck up the nose that was like the, what was it called? That zinc thing that you stuck up your nose? Like it wasn't, it was a zinc, um, it came on like a Q-tip and you put it up your nose. No. I've uh, never it was heard a, of I forget what the product was called, oh. but they had to take it off the market because what they found is that zinc, when applied to the nose, in the nose, mm -hmm. it's got, it gets into the, uh, olfactory nerve and it can travel to the brain and excess zinc in the brain can be not good. Oh. So, but they're still offering, you know, various types of nasal zinc and oral zinc for colds. 
And is it a placebo? Does it make a difference? Okay, so they did a study, uh, a new study, uh, published in the BMJ, formerly known as the British Medical Journal. Uh, and uh, they looked at 17 English and Chinese databases to come up with a meta-analysis of 28 random, randomized control trials. In other words, it's a study of studies. Yeah. Because you know, when you have, this is how they, 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 this is how they decide issues where there's sometimes a study that shows, yeah, it's good, and sometimes the study is not good. So they try to say, let's find the best quality studies. Yeah. Because some studies are just like poor quality studies, poorly designed. There's no placebo, or, you know, there's not enough people. Yes. Or there's some, sus- you know, study maybe commissioned by a company that makes zinc, you yes. know, and it's, they're, they're yeah. not good quality studies. So It'll they finally nice. boiled it down to 28 randomized control trials. Randomized control trials, you have a, uh, a, uh, treatment group and you have a placebo group and you randomize them. You, mm-hmm. you find, you match them for characteristics. So you don't have one group where it's, there's more older individuals, the other group more younger individuals, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So that ended up uh, including 5,446 adults who'd received zinc in a variety of form- formulations and routes, including nasal spray, uh-huh. but also oral and sublingual forms. Mm-hmm. And what they found is that oral or intranasal zinc uh, prevented five respiratory tract infections per 100 person months. Wow. So uh, that's a little bit helpful. They, they boiled it down to what's called an NNT, numbers needed to treat. Yes. So another 20 people would have to take the zinc to prevent one respiratory tract infection. But still, there was a 32% lower relative risk. That's of develop- not bad. That's not bad. It's a little helpful. As opposed to having to treat a 1,000 people for one person not to have a heart attack when put on a statin for primary prevention exactly. or something. I just the, pulled those numbers no, out. No, you're here. right, because the number needed to treat for a statin drug might be 50 or 100. Yeah. You'd have to have yeah. 100 people taking it to prevent one heart attack. Yeah. And and it's not as invasive as uh, taking a statin. So 32% lower yeah. risk of developing mild to moderate symptoms consistent with a viral respiratory tract infection. Uh, and then, so even better, uh, when it comes to moderately severe symptoms... There was an 87% lower risk of developing moderately severe symptoms. And, uh, wow. that, that's, that's, so you, that's significant. Look, it may not prevent you from getting a cold, but you can make it a little less likely to have a very severe cold. I rely on vitamin C and zinc when I feel like I'm coming down with a yeah. cold. I yeah. know for me, it has shortened the duration. How do I know that my cold would last two weeks? I don't. But I know yeah. I feel remarkably better in three to four days. Right. So, taking it. And, and yeah, per what you're it. saying, symptoms resolved two days earlier mm-hmm. with sublingual or intranasal zinc mm-hmm. compared with placebo. Uh, there were also clinically significant reductions in day three symptom severity scores. Uh, so um, they, there were the people used sublingual and topical nasal zinc early in the course of illness were 1.8 times more likely to recover before those who used a placebo. Uh, there was no benefit of zinc when patients were inoculated with a rhinovirus. So they actually had these things where they put you know, the cold virus up your nose. Mm-hmm. There was no reduction in the risk of developing a cold. Why might that be? Um, the reason, according to the lead researcher, it might well be that when inoculating people to make sure they get infected, you give them a really high dose of the virus. Ah. And this doesn't really mimic what happens in the real world. So you just right. might get a little trace of the virus 
you know, that you inhale. But when you stick a swab up that's all infected with virus, they're, mm-hmm. they're going to all get sick. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like instead of smoking a cigarette to see if it's going to give you cancer, you wrap your lips around the, the, the end pipe of a car and right, you inhale right, it. Right, right. <laughs> or something like no, that. No, I mean, they have these experiments where they, like, with the animals with smoking, where they, they tape the mouth of the, oh, my uh, the, goodness. The, the mouse or the rat to a, uh, you know, like some smoking device and they just pump them up with smoke. Okay, yeah. anyway. Uh, problems with that. Some people get nausea, gastrointestinal discomfort. Uh, oh, you can. You, you know, if you can, nibble a little food before you pop that zinc, absolutely. But Perhaps you know. nasal irritation. Okay. Uh, yeah, there is a risk in some, uh, uh, in some cases for uh, temporary permanent loss of smell associated with the use of nasal gels or spray containing zinc. And three such products were recalled from the market, as I said ah, earlier. Okay. So uh, maybe you don't want to put it up your nose. Uh, but then hypothetically, you could go to the brain and zinc and too much zinc can be bad for the brain. Um, blah, 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 blah. So, uh, they also have shown that zinc can be effective for children with diarrhea, but that's mostly in the third world where there's zinc deficiency. Yes. Um, yes. so, no, there's no question. And, uh, you know, uh, Dr. Prasad, Dr. Anand Prasad mm-hmm. is the, um, uh, he's like kind of a godfather of zinc. He's responsible. He's in his 80s and he, perhaps in his 90s, and he mm-hmm. uh, did a lot of the early research on the immune benefits of zinc. And he knows everything about zinc. Practically wrote the textbook. In fact, he wrote several textbooks. And he spoke at the recent uh, uh, American Nutrition Association meeting. Uh-huh. And it was very interesting because he is, he's old and he's high risk, you know, for COVID. He came down with COVID before the vaccines were available. And he applied his own knowledge about zinc. Yeah. So, you know, high doses of zinc, which you can't take long term, but you can take you it for can, a week or and two. And you shouldn't, right. And he described yeah. what happened, which is that he had a relatively mild course of COVID, which ordinarily is very likely to dispatch a, a nonagenarian. Yes. And, you know, so he, he, from personal experience, he talked about it. I mean, look, it's an N of one. It's not like a, mm-hmm. you know, a, a study, but mm-hmm. why, it, you know, he's why not take zinc? Exactly. You know, in the face of the pandemic. Why not take uh, But just for ordinary, yeah. you know, the time will come when people will get ordinary colds and respiratory infections again. Yeah. And uh, zinc is a good thing to have on board and to amp it up a little bit when you have a cold. And what would you suggest for transiently while you have a cold, the dosage? Oh, uh, 25 milligrams twice a day, probably. If you feel for, like for it's ma- a really more for severe. For more for maintenance, though. But, oh, more, yeah. yeah. Oh, for maintenance? Yeah. Uh, 25 milligrams or what may be in a multi, Okay, you know, so after the cold is I passed. have the zinc lozenges. I think the zinc lozenges are something like 22 milligrams per lozenge. Yeah. So you take about six or eight a day. I would, yes. Yeah, you yeah, can. I would go over You could really load up. You yeah. could really load up for but a few days. For a while. Yeah. Now, what, there, what zinc can do is mm-hmm. it can cause copper deficiency. If you take and, it long term, yes, yeah. it can. Yeah. And uh, there is a, a case report of someone who took a lot of zinc because they had a copper overload. They had Wilson's disease. Ah, so and they zinc. took the zinc. Yeah. Zinc will actually cause the copper to be depleted. So yeah. that was desirable. Mm-hmm. What ended up happening is the person had all kinds of walking difficulty and they had like all these neurological problems. And then they measured their copper. And the copper had gone from too high to like vanishingly small. Wow. And what they did is they gave them some intravenous copper and then some oral copper and they fixed them all up. Terrific. But the, so you can... 
Yeah. With a lot of zinc. I mean, maybe that happens when you're taking like a you know, hundred. Somebody with Wilson's disease is probably chronically taking a lot of zinc. So that's right. probably how right. that happened. It, took, it, it probably be, took years to do that. It probably that, yeah. took years yeah. to do that. Exactly. When you're taking it for a cold, you're probably not taking it yeah. for more than two to three weeks tops. Right, right. So really that would be it. You know, something I've come across a lot, uh, people taking elderberry every day for prevention. Mm-hmm. Now, I often advise elderberry, if they feel like they're coming down with yeah, something, yeah. start taking it. Not from October right, through right, April. right. What do you what do you think? No, because I think you want to let your system uh, be elderberry naive and to get some bang yes, out of the elderberry. Yes, to get bang out of it right, exactly right. instead of it giving it all the horsepower. But there's there's no racetrack. <laughs> right, and it, of, of interest is yeah. they recently began a trial looking at mushrooms for COVID. This is actually a, 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 a FDA approved trial in the United States. Uh, they're looking at uh, Coriolis mushrooms, and they're looking at something called agaricon, which is used comes mm. from Greece and uh, and Europe. And so, one concern was, well, could it cause cyto- cytokine storm because it is immune enhancing? Yeah. And they did a lot of preliminary research, and they concluded that it was safe to go ahead with a study because there was no evidence that this mild immune boosting can cause cytokine storm. There's no evidence that elderberry will cause cytokine storm, yeah. but it, hypothetically, it might. But okay, uh, there's no, okay. they don't have strong evidence that it's having an adverse. Anyway, yeah. a little sideline. Okay, we digress as usual. <laughs> Let, can we have a, do we have another question? We have another question. We have one from Dunny. Dunny. Dunny, that's an interesting name. Love your podcasts. There are tons of recommendations regarding how much water to drink per day. Oh. You interviewed a woman on your podcast who wrote a book I thought was called Thirst. Okay. <laughs> but it doesn't seem to exist. Dunny, that book is called Quench, right. and it's by Dr. Dana Cohen. Right. Another woman who worked in the Amen Clinics wrote Biohack Your Brain, in which she recommends from the Institute of Medicine that women drink 90 ounces of water and men drink 125 ounces right. per day. Right. And doesn't include coffee yeah, or anything yeah. with caffeine no, or no. any... Uh, I don't like those one-size-fits-all recommendations. I don't, I don't like that yeah. either. Um, now... She does maintain that veggies, fruits, soups only make up a maximum of 40% of total water intake. But that's it's significant. True. That's that is significant. Yeah. The produce you're eating is providing about 40% of your right. water, but you need to be eating produce. Yeah, I mean, there, there is a, an argument to be made that uh, dehydration is a chronic problem among Americans. I mean, true. just look at how few bathrooms there are in Manhattan. And uh, and how many Starbucks there are, and, and how often you can get caught in traffic. I mean, I oh I, I wanted to take a like a, a forty five minute trip from New Jersey to Manhattan. It took me three hours the other night. Oh. And you know, you sit in the car, and one of the things I do before the trip is I go, I'm not going to drink that extra cup of decaf yeah. right before I go in the car. Right. You know, so uh, there's a lot of underhydration, and it affects you. May affect you mentally. Sure. Uh, there's some studies that suggest that insulin resistance is worse when you're. Somewhat dehydrated. dehydrated. Yeah. So there's a lot to it. I mean, uh, you go ahead and read the book Quench or listen to one of my interviews with Dr. Cohen. Yeah. We've uh, interviewed her a couple of times mm-hmm. on that subject. Uh, it's a good book. It emphasizes an important aspect of health. Yeah. But I think uh, it's a little bit overwrought. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that the human body can respond to uh, fluctuations in... Uh, and it's it's meant to. It's and it's meant, meant to. to. And you should respond to thirst... Mm-hmm. Uh, thirst. Um, yeah, you should always pay attention to thirst. Right. Always. Uh, one of the arguments is that drink. by the time you're thirsty, you're already you're already dehydrated. dehydrated. Yeah. But you know, okay, so preempted by drinking 
But, you know, the other problem that I see is the people who almost have a nervous tick. Uh, they carry everywhere with them a bottle of water, and they're they're, they're swinging it like. Gun- Aren't we over that yet? They're swinging it like cowboys, you know, in westerns know. who are hydrate, drinking hydrate, hydrate. drinking whiskey. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's like they got a bottle of water, and it's, it's a, particularly among young, slender, healthy-looking women that yes. do that. And they drink instead of eat. Maybe I don't. Know. I don't maybe I yes. Don't know. Yeah, okay. yeah. And uh, what, when you can actually feel weak and dizzy from too much water. You can over intoxication, yeah. water intoxication. Your, your, your you sodium get hypoglycemia. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, do we saw that patient together? You know the person we who did. She's she's. You know, I said I looked at her blood test. I said, well, your sodium is extremely low. I said, what's the deal? You you consume salt? She said, oh no, my mother has hypertension, and she instructed me from the time I was a little girl. No salt to, for no you. No salt. Look at the labels. Don't put any salt in food. I said. Honey, you need some salt. Electrolyte, you need it. You need some salt. It's an electrolyte, Uh, absolutely. You know, because you, her blood pressure was low, and among her symptoms, she felt sort of weak, washed out, tired. So I said, your your sodium is one thirty two or something. Yeah, you need the salt shaker. Yeah, a little bit. So she hasn't circled back with us yet, but Mm -hmm. I'll bet she feels a little better with that. I mean, it was. You want good quality salt. That's like a no brainer. It's not like like. Yeah, but some people have been scared away from salt. Yeah. You know, the, the USDA recommendations about not more than the, oh no, a high sodium diet. Look in your sliced bread. There's more sodium there right. than what you're shaking onto your dinner plate. Plus, she, she, she had a water bottle with her. You know, she yeah. was of that, yeah, of that type who Who's drinks overdoing a lot of water. water. Yeah. Now, the rule on water that I tell people, because I get asked this question right. all the time, how much water should I drink? Take your weight, cut it in half, call it ounces. Okay. Drink about that. Now, do I say that to a 300-pound person? Wait, wait, wait. No. Wait, wait, wait. So Cut it in ounces? Like, take, okay. your, take your weight, For example, divide I'm, it in I'm, half. I'm like 160, obviously. Right, right. So 80 ounces. 80 ounces. 80 ounces would be about right. What is, what right. is that in cups? Okay, so 8... Well, 8, eight, eight ounce cups. It could be 8, 10, ten ounce eight cups a day or something like 10, that. 10, 8-ounce cups a day yeah. for me. Yeah. Or uh, 16 ounces is more the sure. serving size. So that's like right. 6 or 7. Yeah. I mean, eight ounces is actually the serving size, but yeah, a lot. People now, are drinking much more. One than of the that. things that they say is coffee doesn't count because it's dehydrating. But I get a lot if of my liquid. It's caffeinated. Yes. I have decaf. Decaf is fine. Okay, it's not per se. No. Okay. It should be fine because the residual caffeine that's left in your decaf doesn't really matter that much. Yeah. 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 Okay. And again, the produce we eat, we're getting up as much as forty percent. If you're a good vegetable eater, good fruit eater. And we're getting that good. Uh, yeah, the that point gel that uh, Dr. Cohen makes is that you want to eat your water. Yes, and that gels and colloids exactly. in uh, in fruits and vegetables right. hold a lot of liquid and right. deliver it perhaps in a form that's more bioavailable, something like that. Exactly, yeah. exactly. You want that hydration yeah. from that good, so, crispy cucumber. Right. That gel water that will be so, there. You know. Bottom line, I think it's important, but I wouldn't fetishize it. No. You know that it's like some no. people are very. Obsessed about that, I get my requisite water today. Exactly, you know. but it shouldn't be out of out of you know, it shouldn't be out of your plastic bottle. Oh, another indicator is, you know, the color of your pee. Is yes, that, you know, if it's that's like, the tell. If it's if like it's the color of iced tea, wow, are you dehydrated? Yeah, but you know, you know if you've just taken your your vitamins, you know, it's going to be colored. It's going to be colored, but yeah. we're talking more a, a bright yellow or a green that mm-hmm. could be the the additional riboflavin. Right. Or some other supplement that you're taking that you're getting the residue. Yeah, it's probably of. It's a fine. sign of adequate hydration if your urine is, yeah. you know, relatively clear. Yeah, yeah, clear, very light, mm-hmm. very dark. The color of iced tea, the color of a cup of tea. 
That's too dark. If it looks like garbage. Guinness Stout, it's no good. But, oh, that's not good. That could be something else that could altogether. Be something else. <laughs> that could be hemolysis. Or yeah, that, exactly. That could, right? Which happens after intense exercise, or it yeah. happens if you have like a liver problem, you know, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. a gallstone or, you know, mm -hmm. hepatitis. Then you get dark urine. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, let's not get into a <laughs> sidetrack on urine. That's a whole different subject. Want to remind you to email your questions to radioprogram at AOL.com. That's radioprogram at AOL.com. All right. We appreciate them. Yeah, we're depending on you for a full mailbag next week so we can uh, have grist for the mill for next week's discussion. Until then, have yourselves a great week. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Thank you, Layla. Thanks, Dr. Hoffman. This is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I want to thank you for listening to the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or your favorite podcast app and get new episodes automatically downloaded every weekday. And please give us a rating and review. It truly helps new people discover Intelligent Medicine. The Intelligent Medicine Podcast is for general informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice and no doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of information on this podcast or materials linked from this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice for any medical condition they may have and should seek the assistance of their health care professionals for any such conditions. Finally, please visit drhoffman.com and discover everything Intelligent Medicine has to offer, including frequently updated, unbiased health news and fully vetted product and supplement recommendations. This is Layla Mutin, RD. I see patients regularly, along with Dr. Hoffman. If you require a nutrition consult with me but live out of town, there's no need to travel to New York City. I have telephone consultations with clients from all over the country. Please visit drhoffman.com for more information. And to set up an appointment, call 212-779-1744. That's 212-779-1744. I look forward to being a collaborator in your health care.